0: Hi friends, my name is Jess Piper and this is the Dirt Road Democrat. On this episode, I'll be talking to congressional candidate in Missouri's third, Bethany Mann. This show is brought to you by the Heartland Pod and our Patreon supporters. To learn more and join us, go to heartlandpod.com and click the Patreon link to get signed up to support this show and others in the Heartland Pod family to get bonus content and special access for events. You can follow me on social media. On Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, I'm Piper from Missouri. On TikTok, you can find me at JessPiperMo. And be sure to follow the Heartland Pod on all accounts. Hey, friends, I don't know if you noticed, but I had a week off and I am fully rested and ready to push forward on what we need to do in Missouri. But I have to tell you where I was on vacation. Now, don't judge me. I'm one of the poors. Okay, (laughs) so we went in on a condo in Florida over a year ago, paid everything up front, paid for the, the airline tickets and then you know, Florida happened. So anyway, that's where I spent the last week. Most of it on the beach. Let me tell you, that place is freaking hot, hot (laughs) everywhere we went when we would step outside. You're like, Oh my God, it's so hot. You go to the beach and walk across the sand. Oh my God, it's so hot. Go to the pool. It's hot. Anyway, I have never been so happy to land in Kansas city and be back in Missouri where it is much more temperate with the same politics as Florida. <laughs> but today, today I have a great guest. Her name is Bethany Mann. Um, she is running for Missouri's Congressional Third District. And oh, I love her. I've met her quite a few times um, and have had some great conversations with her. She's fantastic. She's so different. Um, you know, she she worked with for the EPA for a while. So she has this incredible background in science and climate and pollution and it was great to talk to her. So her name is Bethany Mann. She is born and and bred a Missourian. Uh, She earned her Bachelor of Science degree in Chemistry from the University of Illinois and then as I said worked as an intern at the EPA. She's really passionate about education, science, climate and also not being divisive you know bringing people together. So sit back settle in. I hope you enjoyed this episode episode. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Dirt Road Democrat. And today I have a special guest that I introduced you to in the intro. Her name is Bethany Mann, and she is running for Congress. I absolutely adore her. Hello, Bethany. How are you? Hi, Jess. I'm doing great, and it's awesome to be on your show. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for wrangling those kids for a few minutes so so that we could visit. I know you are a busy lady. Tell me what you're running for. Sure. So I'm running
1: for Congress in Missouri's third congressional district. So it's a, a district that's been heavy, heavily gerrymandered. So it starts from just north of St. Louis Follow 70 all the way out past Columbia and Ashland, down through Lake of the Ozarks and kind of up through Crawford County and some Jeff so so right co.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like it's a pretty red district is that fair. Yeah oh that's definitely fair,
1: uh, particularly with the ways that they Jerry they gerrymandered the, the state last time around
0: yeah exactly so um who is currently the congressman for um the third district and how long has he been in office sure so blaine luke de is the c- congressman who currently
1: serves that area i believe that this is his he just won his seventh election so ah! just seven times so what i mean how many years is that 14 that's 14
0: yeah, yeah you know i've i've had sam graves he's been my Congressman, since I've moved to Missouri, and um, he's working on 22, I think 22 years. It's been a long time, right? Um, it seems like we get some of these GOP folks in there and uh, they stay for a long time. Now, um, so you were running for uh, for Congress, and you have um, an interesting background. I um, obviously we've met a couple times and spoken, and but I was reading that you are a scientist and that you uh, worked for the EPA. Yeah, so
1: I um, it's it's kind of a funny story. I went from being uh, homeschooled, pretty evangelical to kind of um, finding my salvation through public education. I went and I got a community, a community college degree that fed into the University of Illinois, and I got an excellent education through their chemistry, um, chemistry and engineering program. So I specialized in green chemistry when I got my bachelor's degree, and I went on to work for the EPA as an intern. And it was an awesome experience. It introduced me to a wonderful federal agency that they're like cops, but for the environment (laughs) and they catch polluters. So it it was- They're the good cops. (laughs) So I was in their metals unit. So I would test oil or I would test water, soil, and air samples for heavy metal contaminants that had been polluted by big industrial companies. And it was an awesome experience.
0: And do you find that pollution, like heavy metals, do you find that in Missouri? Oh. <laughs> what Girl, country, are you kidding
1: me? <laughs> what pollution do you not find in Missouri is really the question you should be asking, and why do your state and federal uh, representatives do nothing to stop it?
0: That's what you should be asking. I think everyone should be asking that what um, so let's talk about climate for just a minute, I have to tell you that um, I was kind of slow to coming around to you know climate justice and to caring about the environment like I should. But um, I watched a couple of movies I watched Al Gore and like crying Uh, and recently you know I watched don't look up, (laughs) which my adult children also watched and they were like. Um is is this about climate change? And I was like, mm, yeah, I, th- I think it's about you know, climate change. Can you tell us a little bit about you know, what's going on from a scientific approach, um, what we're going to be seeing? And please tell me, um well, we'll get to it in just a minute. What are you seeing?
1: Sure. So, um I'm gonna add one more movie to your um, environmental movie watching list. It's called Dark Waters, and it stars stars Mark Ruffalo who plays the Hulk in in Marvel movies. So it is about a corporate lawyer who gets a call from his grandma. She got a call from one of her friends who's a farmer and the cows were getting really sick and dying. And they thought that it had something to do with some of the pollution that was coming out of a a chemical plant in West Virginia. And so it is about the environmental contamination of PFOS and PFOA or Gen X chemicals. They are man-made chemicals that are used in firefighting foams in non um, nonstick cookware. They are in all of our water supplies. It's especially bad. The contamination is especially bad at mil- in military bases and around airports since that's where they put out big fires, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, These chemicals are in all of our water. The EPA right now is in the process of ruling on a new way to um, clean up and remediate this pollution, but they're essentially turning, or they're essentially treating the U.S. as a giant Superfund site and trying to clean up all of the water from the municipal level.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah. (laughs) So. So this is contaminating our water, and you know, just a couple of years ago, I think it was two years ago, the Missouri Independent ran a story saying that 80% of kids in Missouri have tested positive for lead in their blood. Yes, absolutely. and, And there's no safe level of lead in your blood, right?
1: Correct, correct. And it's especially detrimental to children between the ages of zero and five years old when they've got that, those crucial brain, um, those are crucial years for brain development. And lead is, is proven to impact that development. Um, and the EPA has done a lot. I mean, thanks to the, the infrastructure, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, a lot of money has been allocated to 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 test and to clean up lead, lead from, from water supplies. But in states like Missouri, where we have to kind of take the attitude at the state level where we don't want the feds involved so we don't take federal money, we are often the last to get the type of cleanup and remediation that we need to keep our kids safe. And so you're seeing that there's money out there, you can apply for a grant through the EPA to test the, the lead that's that's feeding into the water pipes of your school. The question is, is, is your congressman advocating for you to get that funding? And what I'm finding is in many cases, particularly in Missouri, the answer is a
0: resounding no. So what do you do personally, because you have young children, how do you uh, keep them safe from from potential lead in their water? So we double filter their water.
1: yeah, uh, so we go uh, you can go out to Menards or Lowe's or Costco. We use a zero water filter. Uh, we we um, zero we 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 filter it twice mm-hmm. to get rid of the contaminants.
0: Yeah. So I looked, looks like I'm going to add another filter to my water. We we have, uh, you know, filters through our refrigerator and then we also have Britta and my daughter um, is very health conscious at 11 and I had told her about this study and she won't drink tap water now. So unless it's been filtered, you know.
1: Well, we also have the added challenges, particularly in the third. We've seen the gutting of things like the Clean Water Act and diminished responsibility for corporations to have to um, to have to even monitor or or clean up dumping when it happens in, in wells or in, in smaller private water supplies. That protection is gone now. So you really have to depend on the state to, to enforce regulatory requirements, but we don't see a whole lot of enforcement. In fact, what we're hearing about now, just, just over in the Mississippi Mississippi watershed, Um, We're hearing about a slaughterhouse that wants to dump (laughs) 350,000 gallons per day of slaughterhouse wastewater into the Mississippi Delta. Now, this is problematic for a whole lot of reasons. One of the reasons is, you know, whenever you have that, that many nutrients from wastewater being dumped into a watershed, you have an issue with things called algal blooms. And it's algae that grows in a water supply, and when the right conditions hit it, when it when that algae bloom gets fed, um, it releases basically poison. It makes that that water supply nox- noxious, and it, it 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 kills all of the, the wildlife in that water supply. So we saw that in Ohio. The since um, the it ha- it's happened in the Great Lakes, where the entire city of I believe it was Columbus. Uh, lost water for, uh, didn't have clean water for several days. And so you're seeing, you see the impact of extra nutrient growth in an algae, algal bloom. Another thing that you see uh, in Missouri, and this is also the result of climate change, is you see the, um, you see, <laughs> you see the influx of uh, pests that aren't naturally here in Missouri, they've migrated north. Support this show and all of the work in the Heartland Pod universe by going to heartlandpod.com and clicking the Patreon link to sign up. Membership starts at $1 per month and goes up from there with extra shows and special access at the higher levels. Heartlandpod.com, click the Patreon link, or just go to Patreon and search for the Heartland Pod. No matter the level you choose, your membership helps us create these independent shows as we work together to change the conversation. And now... Back to the show.
0: You're talking about pests and I saw some crazy news um, because I read constantly, you know, I'm reading all the uh, newspapers across the state. And I saw yesterday that somebody was talking about jellyfish, that maybe there are some natural jellyfish in Missouri, but um, they are moving, you know, in different places. I saw that we could expect alligators in southern parts of Missouri. And then um, you, Bethany, and uh, Randy, who was running for Congress down in the seventh that she run in seventh or eighth I will I will check that, um, but you guys were talking about something called alpha gal and. Um, if you'd like to talk about that I had never heard of it i'm in Northwest Missouri and I guess it hasn't quite hit us or i'm completely ignorant of the fact. But my mom had talked about it and she lives down in Arkansas so she was like yeah I know lots of people with alpha gal so can you tell us about it and how in the world. Um, are people in Missouri contracting this disease?
1: Alpha-gal is a disease that you get when, um, from the, the bite or the slobber of the lone star tick, which isn't native to Missouri at all. It actually comes from Texas and thanks, Texas. <laughs> the <tick laughs> has migrated up more thanks to climate change and, uh, it causes an anaphylactic allergy to meat or animal byproducts. Now it's one of those things that I didn't even think about. I heard about it on NPR and it's one of those things that it doesn't you know, it doesn't really register until it affects you personally, right? So I was having these really scary episodes when I was really, really pregnant where I was passing out. And we kind of uh, joke about maternal mortality and, and health and worry, but this is just another case, right? So we've got an issue. This is, I learned that this is um, all over Missouri, particularly in wooded parts of our state, um, following um, our our watershed, essentially, and um, the symptoms. um, And I like to talk about this because a lot of people deal with it. They don't know it until they've visited the hospital several times. In fact, the average person isn't diagnosed with alpha gal until they've had it for about seven years. Ah. And just bringing awareness, raising awareness of alpha gal and some of the symptoms has been able to decrease in populations. It can decrease anaphylactic induced deaths by 50%. So it's one of those things that's super important to talk about. So it starts out, you can be, it's just, it's a, it's a protein. So the, the, the tick bites you and it gives you this um, antigen that will basically attack your body every time you ingest the certain kind of sugar that's found in pork and beef. Um, It's also a byproduct of some seaweed also. So when Uh. we're dealing with algal blooms, that's going to be a concern also. Um, There's a part of the seaweed that looks just like the sugar that's in the meat. Um, so people who have alpha gal have to remove, um, pork and beef, everything, but chicken and fish essentially from their diet. Um, you get fruits, vegetables, nuts, um, fish, chicken, and that's it, but you have to remove meat from your diet, which is really challenging in the Midwest where we love our pork steaks. I love a good pork steak and, and me too,
0: girl. <laughs> I ain't mad about oh, a pork steak, but, <laughs> up? but
1: uh, <laughs> but. But meat, but animal byproducts aren't just in the food that you eat. They're in all of your cosmetics. They're in soaps. They're they're ingredients and medications. The gel caps or capsules that you have in your medicine are often coated with gelatin, and so that causes reactions in some people too. Uh, some people are really sensitive and just smelling the bacon can put you in the hospital. Uh. There are things like vapor reactions, So it just, if, in any way you're exposed to it, it causes damage. Um, so the symptoms that start out is if you eat something, you'll have like a GI issue almost immediately, but the reason it doesn't get diagnosed right away is the aller or the reaction takes anywhere from four to eight hours after you've eaten for the full attack to happen. Oh. So it's something that people should be aware of. If If you're one of those people that you have a. a a piece of pizza and you automatically have a GI reaction to it and then you feel really really bad in a couple of hours you should probably talk to your doctor about the antigen testing so that you can see if maybe that's something that you're dealing with because I'm hearing it hearing about it um, not just the chaos that has happened in my family since we found out that some of our family members haven't but also all over the third district um even just you know sometimes monitoring facebook groups somebody asked the question how many people have this in missouri and there are over 200 responses in this like two-hour window uh, in this little support group and it and it's It's, it's difficult for a lot of reasons. You have to throw out food that you already have that is making you sick. You have to buy all new stuff. In my case, my infant formula was causing me to have reactions and given reactions to my little kiddo. So I had to switch him to formula that costs three times the amount of regular formula. And, you know, that's compounded by the issue that we've got a formula supply, um, supply chain issue still ongoing because that same factory up in Michigan had another recall. And we rely on four corporations to provide our infant formula here in, in the United States. And we have supply chain issues that, that compound all of
0: it. So, oh my gosh, what, what a mess. Hey, do you think that sometimes people who, um, are, have been diagnosed with just, um, an unspecific uh, autoimmune has is that coming up because I know a lot of women who are struggling with these odd symptoms and their doctors just say, I don't know, it's you know, it, it could be lupus, it could be whatever, but they're never actually diagnosed with those things.
1: Yeah. So there are a couple of couple of things to speak to to that point is um, people who are being diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome or IBS, um, now doctors who are informed about alpha-gal are also running panels for alpha-gal to see if that's what's causing the issue as well. Um, you know, some of, the, um, some of the onset of anaphylaxis, some of the symptoms that, that people will feel, um, you feel like your palms are, are itchy, you feel like you have to go to the bathroom real bad, you get real lightheaded, like you're going to throw up and then you pass out. And that's anaphylaxis. <laughs> um, it can be accompanied by hives, but it's a, it's good to be aware of those symptoms, not just in yourself, but if you notice other people. Um, and it's you know the treatment is man, you carry around an epipen, you take a lot of antihistamines, and you watch um, watch and eliminate your food triggers. Now, in some people, um, you can get um, I, I hate to say get better your your
0: alpha gal can go into remission, but right now we're not seeing any cure for it either. It's just eliminating the foods that are causing that, which means, like you said, eliminating so much of your life. And I guess you have to, to like, it's a a test and see, right? Let's try it. And if I get sick, but that's, I have I have a nephew who uh, has um, severe food allergies um, and, you know, has visited the ER not being able to breathe if he has any contact with um, cheese or eggs or a hamburger meat and um, his life has been different from any other child I've ever seen in in my life because of having to um like you said vapors you know stay away from breathing it if he if we can take him to subway because it makes people aggravated to have to pull off their gloves and start over again because you're like he can't you can't touch that cheese and then let him eat it so bethany i can't
1: yeah i mean, we had to go to the the point where if there has been a dish in our home that is cooked meat it gives us a reaction so you have <sighs> to throw, right? like all your cookware and start over it's um it, it's really challenging particularly i mean and what what is breaking my heart is seeing people who first off are in non-supportive relationships where you know mom has it but dad thinks mom's kind of full of it so he wants her to cook his steak at night (sighs) and and that causes fume reactions right i'm hearing about people who have melt you know it's a common thing to have a meltdown in a grocery store after you have it because first off the meat department makes you a little itchy and then you realize that you can't eat a lot of the food that's here in the Walmart that you go to. And when right. we have lots of food deserts in rural Missouri, I'm yeah. reading posts of people who are literally starving and they can't find the food that they need because it's making them sick. And it's heartbreaking. We shouldn't have to be in a position in Missouri where we're waiting for things to get this bad to actually act and 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 provide goods and services for the people it, in in our districts or in our state.
0: It feels like. That's what we do here, though, it feels like that's what we do we wait until we wait until our teachers are 50th in pay until our classrooms are funded at 49% until our maternal mortality rate is nearly as high as anybody else in the country. We wait until things Our roads are crumbling our schools are closing our hospitals are closing we wait until it can't get any worse before someone finally says, maybe we should do better. And I have to tell you this, Bethany. I told you i've I've had the same Congressman since I've moved to missouri. i've I've lived here, I think sixteen years now. Sam Graves is my congressman. I don't know what he does. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he does other than send me propaganda in the form of an email saying all the awful things that are untrue or he heard on, you know, o a n network. um he I, I haven't seen him bring anything home to. Missouri, and and like he, he praises the, you know, the bad water deal that you were just talking about. He praises us taking away regulations and making his, his own constituents sick. What is a congressperson supposed to do? A congressperson
1: should advocate for their district to get goods and services and resources that benefit their constituency full stop. What I see in the Missouri's third district, Blaine Luchtmeyer, he has a tremendous amount of power. He sits as he sits on the board of the Consumer Protection Financial Institution Board. His job is to protect banks, it's not to protect American workers. Uh, there's a an audio clip, I wish somebody would find it and play it a bunch. It's of Josh Hawley bragging um, to shareholders about cheap Missouri labor. And that's <sighs> what it's about. It's about <laughs> driving, de- driving away available goods and services so that your constituents depend on what little the corporations in your constituency provide them for goods and services. And, and, and that's kind of it. We see that in the way that Missouri rejected um, the voters will to expand Medicaid, right, a great, you know, and all these great programs like SNAP benefits that feed kids, you take those those away, you make it harder for working families to survive. And I tell you what, when you're driving around at 11 o'clock to look for a formula that's safe for your child to to, to eat so that they can have food and nutrition, you're not thinking about politics. Well, I am because I'm thinking about how how our elected officials are failing us time and time again. And they're doing it for something just as simple and baseless as money. And it's disgusting. And so your job as a congressperson is to represent the, the, the will of of, of the people who live in your district. It's to help help keep them safe and protected. and And most importantly, to give them an economy that works for everyone, not just for the wealthy. And we fail, especially here in Missouri, time and time again.
0: We do. And, you know, I work with Blue Missouri. I'm trying to get uh, people down ballot candidates across the state, some funding Democrats, because I know that if your if if the ballots in your district were full of down ballot Democrats, more people would come out and help Bethany be elected because, you know, they're they're passionate about, you know, up and down the ballot. Um, How can we get folks to vote in their self-interest? And I know it's annoying when people say that because a lot of times in rural Missouri we don't have someone to vote for we just don't but yeah. congressionally we do we have Bethany Mann how how can we help Bethany Mann get elected to the 3rd district and keep someone who After looking at his record and talking about him, it seems like he's working for donors, not for the people in his district right. Um, It seems like he doesn't care about our air and our water, he doesn't care about pollution, he doesn't make sure you know that workers have fair and livable wages. He doesn't care about the schools, making sure that they're getting funding he doesn't seem to be bringing home tons tons of dollars for infrastructure in the third district, how can we help you bethany.
1: Well, it's it's a lot like what you said. We need to run candidates in every race, from from ambulance board to to the house to Congress. We need to have options on the ballot. But really, it comes down to talking talking to people about issues that impact their everyday lives. Um, and I see this. You know, I hear from transgender Missourians. Um, I, I, I sit on the the. I sit on the board as secretary for Missouri's very, very first Democratic LGBTQ caucus, right? And so I hear from um, awesome transgender Missourians all across the state, and they are so, so frustrated at the fact that our leaders are so hyper-focused on keeping six trans kids from competing in sports when really they want jobs, they want economic viability they want to be able to access health care and and so what we need is we need to be having more conversations with people about issues that are impacting them personally because to, to be frank there's so much more that brings us together than pushes us apart and picking these these uh, you know picking off these groups to target whether they be the lgbtq community or communities of color or rural families across the state they're going to they're going to choose wedge issues to drive to drive division between us, so that we don't notice that corporations have not paid their fair share in taxes. The one percent hoards all the wealth and leaves the rest of us with problems fighting each other. And so, what we need to do is we need to have conversation. The other day, I was at my dentist's office, and we were coming up with ways to to, to beat Josh Hawley. And it comes down to. <laughs> You know, in my in my race, for example, I got my first one hundred thousand votes. Blaine Lucemeyer handily beat me in the last election. But you know what? If everybody who voted for me goes out and gets two people out to the out to the ballot box in, in November twenty twenty four, then we're we're gonna win. So that's what it is. It's voter engagement. We have to be very aware that they have made the playing field not even at all they've mm-hmm. gerrymandered it to where it's almost statistically impossible to win but it doesn't mean that we stop trying and so it means connecting with people on issues that matter so it means talking to your neighbor about how you know how about protecting medicare and social security and why that's important we talk about you know what a, a what a, a good paying union jobs would mean to Washington County, who they have a great airport there and even manufacturing facilities that have just been idle. So now all the workers, if they want a good job, they've got to drive into St. Louis from Washington County an hour away. And we talk about economic issues. We steal the playbook from the Republicans because that's what they try to do is they get everybody whipped up into a frenzy over a social issue. But then they have a moderate come in like they're doing, you know, they'll have Ron DeSantis, right? now talking about all this crazy identity politics stuff but meanwhile they've got mike pence on the other side acting like the moderate running around and talking about you know responsible economic policy well responsible economic policy is making sure that corporations who are polluting our land and driving down wages are paying their fair share and you know if they're you know because we can't rely on them to provide benefits that are going to raise all of us up because that's not that's not part of their business model, right? They have to report back to shareholders and they have to pay... You know, pay profits off of dividends and things that you know the average Missourian doesn't hear or care about. They just know that they need to make their title loan company. They need to they need need to make a payment on their title loan, and they've been charged 300% interest, and they've been paying on on a loan for for years with no relief. That's what that's what people are dealing with right now. Is they're dealing with <laughs> everyday impacts of bad economic policy. That means that they can't afford the grocery. That their groceries are are too expensive. Or or that they can't afford an electric vehicle. All they have is this old clunker that they're driving around. They're paying 700 extra dollars a year because our infrastructure and our roads are crumbling. So it it jacks up their car. So, but if you can keep the working class always struggling to get by, whether it's struggling to make a car payment or a car repair or affording food or finding food or, or taking away their worker protection. So if their job sues them, that, that, that or if, if they strike, that, that this is something that um, just, just galled me recently as a Supreme Court decision saying basically that states can decide whether or not workers who strike can be sued by their employers. And guess how that's going to play out in Missouri? Yeah, yeah, right. Well,
0: I was a teacher. I, I totally understand that. People would say, you know, you know, 50th and pay, just strike. Uh, hello, we'll lose our job, right? I, I mean, it happens I'm all the time. Yeah, yeah, I I was tenured, I had protection. I went to Kansas City when COVID started and I protested. Guess what? My husband didn't have protection. Guess what? He got fired. That is how that works. And it's so lovely to speak to you and so maddening to speak to you at the same time because these are the things that matter. You're going out there and saying the things that matter to folks who will turn around and say something about, well, trans people. And you just wanna shake them and say, friend, friend, this, there are six trans kids that have nothing to do with you, but you have roads that you can't drive on in the winter because they can't keep the snow, scoop the snow off of them because they're, you know, they're chip and seal instead of any sort of pavement, and they will paint you as, um, you know, as an extremist. Bethany is an extremist because she believes women should have bodily autonomy and trans folks should be treated like human beings. And But what you're saying is what everyone needs to hear. And it's just so hard, and I know you know this, born and raised in Missouri and you were, it's so hard because we went from a bellwether state to an absolute extremist state and what you're saying everything you said matters and makes sense and it's not extreme it's just what folks need um and it's getting that message out right
1: absolutely and it it comes down to you know whenever i hear these wedge issues the first thing i try to do is steer that direction right towards workers' rights. And it doesn't matter what your gender identity is, your expre- your gender expression, your sexual identity, none of that. You should have healthcare. You should have access to healthcare that's affordable, that doesn't put your bank your, your house up for sale if you can't afford your medical bills. Deregulation and some of the things that the GOP, or, or Blaine Meyer at least, Um, champions, it's gutting all the protections that workers have to keep them safe so that their families can have a strong livelihood. And, And that's just wrong.
0: And so um, we are coming to the end of the interview and I was going to say, uh, Bethany, give me your platform. Tell me why people should vote for you. But oh my God, you just laid it out. You have um, protections for workers and for women and for anyone with any, you know, sexual identity. Um, you care about the environment, which I think, and you correct me if, you're, if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is an issue that gets young people involved is climate.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because kids want to see a future on this planet, which sounds crazy. Kids also want to see a future on other planets, which I think is is brave and bold and exciting, also. But we owe it to our kids to make sure that we're leaving things a little better off than we found them, and it's just a a boilerplate principle of conservation, right? And that's the one thing that's great about Missouri is most Missourians really do believe in our beautiful lakes, rivers, and streams. Mm -hmm. They're wonderful assets in a time when climate change is going to dry up water sources. It's great to be in a state where we have. Water supply, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this is an issue that that the youth, the kids, care about <laughs> quite a bit, and they should because it it matters to their future. It matter matters to just you know the the safety and well being of kids um, growing up in a safe environment. It has to you know one in ten deaths can be in America can be attributed to air pollution. And there was an <sighs> aggregate study recently done that shows that air pollution. Guess what it does it decreases sperm count and sperm motility and mobility. So that's one of the reasons we're seeing declining fertility rates. It's actually, it has nothing at all to do with the women. It's actually the men who are being negatively influenced by climate change. Um, So we, there are so many different angles and approaches to talking about it that don't need to be political and charged and divisive. It really comes back to having common sense practical conversations about things that impact your, your bottom line, your
0: pocketbook, right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, Bethany tell people how they can help you and where they can find you. Great. So you
1: can um, you can go to BethanyManforCongress.com And right there, um, you can find a link to my act blue where you can donate. I am running against a banker who can always go to mo- go to his own bank for warm, <laughs> for more money wow. for the campaign. So um, at a certain point, you know, all the money in the world won't win me the election. What I need is volunteers, I need people to walk, um, to walk around, knock on doors, I need people to hold petitions so that we can make abortion legal in Missouri again, so that women have access to health care. So I I need I need volunteers, I need money. And I need you to just spread the word, get involved. Uh, I can I can connect you with wonderful champions for patriotism and freedom all over the state, all over Missouri's third district. So please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm also on the socials. So you can join my Facebook group, Bethany Mann for Congress. I'm still one of the olds that have a Facebook group. Same. I'm on Twitter and, um, once I find a good millennial to help me, I'm, I'm going to get on the TikToks.
0: So you have to get on TikTok. Well, one, it's fun, but two, you reach so many people. I was, I just went, uh, to, I shouldn't even say this. I went, I visited Florida for a week, but we had planned this vacation for over a year ago and I'm one of the poors. And once you pay your money, you're stuck. You're on. Yep. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was at the airport and a woman was just behind me and she said, I love your TikToks," tocks and, and she was in Kansas city. So I was like, it really does. So I I hope you find the millennial or maybe um, you can find an old person like me who can just introduce you. But uh, this is Bethany Mann. She is running for the third district, uh, third congressional district in Missouri. Uh, go to BethanyMannForCongress.com, Mann for um, And thank you. This has been a pleasure. Thank you, Jess. Thank you for having me. Dirt Road Democrat is brought to you by the Heartland Pod, a mid-map media production. Producers are Adam Summer, Rachel Parker, and Sean Dillon. Theme music by Adam Summer. Host, Jessica Piper. Learn more at heartlandpod.com.